Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Vincent Kashani, who is the author of Iberian Claim. Vincent, how you doing? Good. How about you, Timmy? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for asking. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Absolutely. So I'm a writer by trade at this point. Very recently published my book back in August. That was a seven-year journey to get there. I started when I was 12 years old, but along the way, I enjoy aquatics. I used to play water polo. I live in an area where I can go to the beach, so that's something I really like to do recreationally. I like being around my friends, my roommates, playing board games, talking, watching movies. I, I like being around people for the most part. I'm not, not one of those secluded writers that you hear about, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's mainly what I like doing in my free time overall. I love that, man. So you're 19, huh? I just turned 20, actually, about a month ago. So Gotcha. Dude, that is epic. Very, <laughs> very seldom do I get people on the podcast who are younger than me. <laughs> so that's cool. I'm 22, so not too Oh, bright, nice. But, oh, I wouldn't have guessed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's awesome. Glad you're so young. Glad you're a published author. So young. That's hype. Thank you. Well, tell us a little bit more about that seven-year journey. You started when you were 12. What made you start when you were 12? Yeah, so what made me start was mostly curiosity. I had a school project that kind of hooked me, and I, was just, I just wanted to explore it more, and I thought writing was the best way to do it. So lots of trial and error, lots of mistakes made along the way, and a lot of other things going on. So I wrote the book in my free time. I wrote it over weekends, after school. And by the time, about a year ago, maybe, yeah, actually right about a year ago, right around New Year's, I was looking for a publisher and I found my publisher. And from there, about six or seven months later, the book was published. Obviously, there's a lot of hard work that goes in between that. And there's a lot of different angles you can take if you want to publish a book of any kind. But my book's historical fiction. So there's a lot of drafts that need to happen, a lot of tweaking to story and characters, that go along with it. So it was a challenge, but it was really rewarding. Okay. So it's historical fiction. Yes. Dude, that is hype. So you tell, tell us about the historical, tell us what the history part of it is and tell us a little bit more about the fictional story. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the story is about the Spanish expedition that goes to Florida and they fail and only a few people survive and their journey is sort of trying to get back to other spanish societies but along the way they learn to respect the people who are there they learn a lot about what they're doing that's wrong and maybe they learn too late maybe they can actually do something to help i'll leave that for people when they read the book but more of the more of the story behind it less of the history the history is more just kind of an account it doesn't really delve too much into the themes of what's actually happening And I found that there was a lot of room to really dig in and explore, okay, how bad colonization actually is, how how terrible it is, and really explore that through through character arcs 
that were meaningful and it took time to develop those. But the fictional aspect is the dialogue, more of the character arc building and certain certain little scenes that will happen here and there. I feel that. And so are you in college right now? I just graduated back in June. Dude, you graduated with a bachelor's? I did. I did. This man's an animal. <laughs> Dude, you finished college in two years? I did. That is it, epic. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it, but it was <laughs> it paid off. It wasn't so, necessarily fun. But was it like your semesters were just crazy or was it like every summer you were going at it? Actually, it was more semesters. I found that taking the summers to relax and actually using them that way was more helpful for me personally. And I had the advantage, so to speak, of COVID online school. I was able to pile on a lot more classes than I normally would be able to. I had a lot more motivation to get done earlier because I wasn't studying abroad, all these other activities that I could have been doing. So it really was like this perfect storm of everything that got me to, okay, I want to get it done in two years. I want to get my book out. I need to do this right now. And that's sort of how it all happened. I love that. So are you like a full-time author now, or do you also have some other job thing you're pursuing or tell us more about what your life looks like as a 20 year old that just graduated college? Yeah, it's nuts. It's, it's kind of crazy. Um, I wish I was doing off, you know, being an author full-time, but obviously I'm still building up my bank account, so to speak. So I'm working as an author coach, which is something I love doing. I work for my publisher, training new authors, helping them through the publishing process and kind of growing that publisher. Uh, and then beyond that, I also work, I just got to draw a job at Screen Rant, the YouTube channel. So I barely started that one. I'll see how that one turns out. And then I work part-time job across the street, just, you know, so for some extra pay. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you got a couple of things going on and then you can still write and do your author stuff on your free time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I make that my number one priority. I love that. Well, tell us a bit more about your motivation behind writing and what gets you up and keeps you going every day. Yeah, uh, really. It's a love of storytelling just in general. And that sort of leads into my goals as well is, is my number one goal is just impactful storytelling as a life and a lifestyle and working towards that. And that's a huge motivation for me. So the, the thing that's interesting is the storytelling part of this, like this book journey is already kind of done, right? Because I already finished the book and published it. So right now it's me working towards getting that story out there, which is a whole different way of thinking, a whole different style. But what motivates me and keeps it from feeling like it's sales or, you know, any sort of job that doesn't feel as soulful um, is, is that love of storytelling and reminding myself, I wrote this story for a reason. I want to get it out there for a reason and I have to push and to get people to read it. Otherwise, no one's going to read it, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So question, do you have like a podcast or something that you do? I don't. I've thought about it quite a lot, but I want to I want to get the right idea first. And I think having a little bit more stability in my life before launching another more entrepreneurial project alongside the book would probably be wise. Although if I could right now, I would totally just do it right now. I love <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that I feel, it's a, it's a hard thing balancing the entrepreneurship with the bank account issue. When you're a young entrepreneur. <laughs> I feel no that. kidding. No kidding. I, I'm actually in a job that I don't love mostly because I just don't love trading time for money. Like that's my, that's my biggest issue. <laughs> so um, not passionate about it, but 
I'm just out here grinding. I'm on the same thing you are, dude. Same thing you are. Absolutely. I definitely relate to that one. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, this scenario will be different. It's December right now. This one will come out in like March, I think. So. Oh, maybe, nice. Maybe something will change. But <laughs> yes. I'm hoping for it for you. That'd be awesome. Yeah, awesome. So impactful storytelling as a life and a lifestyle. Are there any other dreams and goals um, that you want to chat about? Right. Yeah, definitely. So that's sort of the big picture item. And it's not a very specific goal. So it could take a number of different forms. But if I were to pick one to kind of lean into next, I really love film. I really love TV. I would love to work in development and the creative side. So sort of a, a goal beneath that would be having creative control in some capacity over a project in film or TV or multiple projects. So that's something to work towards getting in a position where I can actually do that and uh, write, write a movie, produce a movie, something along those lines. Dude, that's hype. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I have a friend who is also trying to be, he's writing movies and being like a film director. He's been on the journey for like two years. So I can make that connection for you if you want. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And I don't know how well this would be up your alley, but I know another person who owns like a TV network, but it's like specifically for Christian uh, television. And she is like trying to get more, uh, just more people to put content on there. So That might be something. I don't know. Cause it's specifically Christian. I don't know where you stand with that. So that might be yep. a barrier, but um, I can also make that connection for you. That would also be great. Yeah. That sounds good to me. Sounds good. All right. Their names are, are it's Kevin Carlock. And then I can't, I think it's Karima Imordi is the other girl's name. She was on the podcast, but um, yes, I will make those connections for you. All right. Thank so you. you love film and TV. You want to work on a project where you have creative control and you can kind yeah. of write out that film. What are some other dreams and goals you got for us? Some other dreams and goals would be to sustainably pump out more books and write more books. And when I say pump out, I don't mean just like, you know, write a ton and ton of books and get them all out there. But, you know, over the next couple of years, write a couple more. And I, I would love to do that. I would love to be able to have the time and the stability to really to write more. I feel that. What do your days and what does your life need to be structured like in order to sustainably write more books and turn them out at the rate and quality that you want to? Yeah, that is definitely something that's really challenging for myself and a lot of authors is not so much when you're writing to get into a flow, but saying, okay, right now I have this one hour of time in between these two other things I have to be doing. I need to write right now, sit down and write right now. Otherwise you're going to lose out on that time. So for somebody like me, who's working three part-time jobs as the book that I just wrote, trying to get that out there, time is limited and it's not consistent. So it's really hard to build a schedule where you're writing at this specific hour, this specific day. You really have to look for those moments where you could be doing something else and say, I'm going to write right now and actually get down and do it. And that's really challenging when you don't have a reliable schedule behind it, but it's something you have to do. Otherwise, you're not going to make any progress with your writing. Yeah, for sure. I know that's how J.K. Uh, Rowling was writing the Harry Potter books when she first started. Um, just curious, have you read Stephen King's book on writing? I have not. I've not. Check that book out. <laughs> it's a decent book. But anyway, he, he kind of talks about that routine. And my question to you is, um, if you had your ideal day, like wipe everything off your calendar right now, 
how would you structure your writing time into the day? Gotcha. Ideally, I think I like writing in the mornings. I would, I would ideally want to get up, hopefully go work out or swim or something along those lines, and then come back and write as I'm eating and maybe have that be for an hour and then get done the other stuff I need to do during the day, during business hours, you know, go and talk to bookstores, um, go work the jobs I'm working. And then by the end of the day, around dinner time, write some more and then relax at night. Okay. I feel that. So you would have like a kind of a deep work session in the morning and a deep work sesh in the evening and then everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will say I'm somebody who doesn't have a consistent schedule like that. And so variety is something I'm used to. And I wouldn't honestly mind having different days feel different as long as I can get myself to set aside that time to write, even spontaneously. Making a discipline of doing it spontaneously uh, could be one way of doing it. I just, you know, I've yet to figure out the exact balance behind that. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I feel you. I feel you. Um, It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. I know uh, I'm really big on success literature and in on writing. He talks about he would like wake up. He would do 2000 words mandatory. Like he wouldn't do anything else until he wrote 2000 words. Other writers would be like, I'm going to write for one hour straight. And if I write one word in that one hour, that's fine. If I write 3000 words in that one hour, that's great. So it's, you just got to find what works for you basically Yeah. be consistent in it. But I kind of like your mindset towards it, like little steps when I can every day. And then eventually you're going to have that ideal day where you're, books have produced enough income for you to kind of wipe the schedule clean and be like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Right. So, awesome, yeah. man. I love that. So sustainably writing books, doing some creative uh, projects for film where you have control and just doing impactful storytelling as a life and a lifestyle. Is there something else that you want to touch on? Hmm. Um, sort of, well, I'll say a fun one. I really like the show survivor. It'd be fun to go on it. <laughs> I think that'd be a good time. Um, Maybe one that's a little more in line with the other stuff is uh, I really like history and I've, I explored it in my writing, obviously, but I think keeping it as something that I can explore more as a topic just through the other things I'm doing would be very nice. Even if it's not always historical fiction, maybe getting involved with some nonprofits or some organizations that do that and partnering with them would be really meaningful. So I need to explore that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So exploring history and integrating it into other aspects of your life. Yes. I love that. Um, (laughs) I went to the Alamo recently. I'm in Austin, Texas. Alamo's in San Antonio. (laughs) People would like volunteer there because they loved history. And I was always asking myself, what kind of person just wants to volunteer at the Alamo? (laughs) I just met him. So (laughs) that's epic. That's epic. I love it. Cool, man. So exploring history and integrating into other aspects of your life. Now, do you see yourself integrating it into like those part-time jobs and maybe switching up the part-time jobs further down the road or just more on the nonprofit side? Yeah, that's a really good question. I guess I haven't completely planned that part out, but I definitely think that there's a, there's a goal to be had in the history. Um, I think something I learned with my book and a lot of research is there's a lot of false narratives behind certain things going on, especially with colonization and especially with that going on in America. 
And I think it's it's a really big goal to to at least help with a lot of the movements that are going on that are trying to tell the truth about that era or trying to explore more honestly, at least the research behind it and the actual events and how it affected people. And I think if there are any little ways I can do, like can figure out along the way throughout my life, whatever they might be, you know, they could change between a job or a volunteer or just being in contact with somebody. I think that's something that I definitely want to keep. I love that. I love that. Um, I kind of want to back up a little bit to the podcast. Um, if you were to pick a topic for your podcast right now, what would it be? Good question. Um, I have a cousin who lives in New York and we love talking about story, honestly, stories just, just along with everything else. And I think something where we could just riff and talk about different movies that we're watching or find a story in history and talk about it explore a couple different things each week i don't know what it would be called and i don't really know like the big ticket kind of topic but i think that would be really fun i feel that so just finding different stories and talking about them yeah yeah or maybe even telling them i i I would have to think about that more but dude i feel that awesome i'm just i'm just a fan of like giving the little nudge every now and then so (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesome. If there are one or two people that you can meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, they'd help you take the next step with any of these dreams and goals. Who would they be and how would they do it? Gotcha. Um, one would be Mike Judge, actually. He's the guy who created Beavis and Butthead and the show Silicon Valley and a lot of these other things. And there's a particular reason is because he went to UC San Diego where I went and he went into, um, he worked in Silicon Valley doing something non-related to film and then veered into his passion projects with writing and storytelling. I think it'd be great to sit down and talk to him. Even just to talk to him once would be great to learn from him. But I think being able to like have like a point of contact with him would be amazing. Um, Another person would be, I'll, I'll, you know, dial it back and say this particular type of person would be somebody who has the authority to say, I believe in that project, whether it's film or a book or this or that on a higher level, they have more power, they have more reach, being able to reach out to those kinds of people and have them believe in the projects that I'm writing as a consistent um, facet of my life, that would be also very meaningful and and great to have that help. I feel that, and what type of person would that be? That's a good question. I I think, at least for like film, that would take the the role of somebody who, you know, is um, deciding on what projects uh, a particular studio is gonna produce. So that would be, you know, somebody who is, either a studio executive or somebody directly below that. And then for writing, um, that, that would be just different bookstores and outlets and institutions. One of my goals is to get my book into more schools and universities and have it, A, for me personally, it's nice to have a institution buy a lot of books at once. It takes a load off of me. But the other hand, I want it to be something that people talk about. And that's a, schools are a great place for discussion. And that's how the, you know, the dialogue behind the book keeps going and lives on. So that's a really big one on, on the writing end for me. I love that. So schools, bookstores, and whoever's in charge of like implementing the literature into those couple of places. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. And have you, you said you kind of talked to bookstores and do you like reach out to bookstores and schools consistently and have you had any success with that? 
Yes. So actually the past couple months since publishing, I have been on a sort of self-made book tour and I have a box of cardboard box of 40 books. My dad works for the airline. So I get to fly for free. I get on a plane. I take the plane to a city where we know somebody. I stay with them. I do it all for free. And I go to every single bookstore that I can find in that area, bring a book with me for reference. I'll give it to them if they have that as a point where that's helpful for them to review it. And I talk to them, make a connection, try to get my book continually and consistently stocked in that bookstore and open up the possibility of maybe doing a talk or a signing in the future there. And a lot of, a lot of success has come from local Barnes and Nobles, actually, where people will just say, yeah, we'll stock three of your books right now. And that's it, a really, it's really nice to feel that. Dude, that is epic. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that is like bootstrapping like boots on the ground going after it yeah yes i i'm glad to be doing that uh because social media is probably i've got some weak points in in you know in messaging and social media that's not really my strong suit to lean in so i actually prefer the kind of just getting out there and, and talking to people i like that a lot more so it was nice to be able to do that i feel that i feel that have you ever read the book who not how also, no. There's more reading for me. <laughs> Dude, it's a great book with a great concept. It's more business related. So what was the first book I recommended? Oh, On Writing. So On yeah. Writing is more like being an author. Who Not How is more like business related. And as you're learning, there's a business side to being an author. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so you should check that book out because that whole like you know social media is a big deal like oh yeah it's just it captures people's attention so if you're weak there the idea is okay what's your genius zone you know your genius zone is kind of bootstrapping it knocking on the doors of libraries and bookstores and schools and getting your book in there but somebody else may have a, a specialization or a genius zone in that social media marketing creating content if you can partner up with a buddy of yours who's more social media savvy and get him to like kind of hop on the bandwagon and bootstrap it with you to help you support your goal and dream or pay for a service and look at that payment as an investment. It's yeah. harder for us when we're 20, 22, because <laughs> don't have the funds. So who not how is like, figure out where you're lacking, figure out whose genius zone is in that area, figure out a creative way to partner with them, mainly money. But if it's not money, there can be some like revenue share or some like equity or some like sweat equity or something you can do good old yeah. bartering, but no that definitely sounds amazing because i think i'm starting to reach the limits of my own social media accounts yes so yeah. done a lot of work there but that's a very good idea and it's also like your time is simply better used doing the activities where you're the best yeah in those activities and so if you're doing social media and you're like a C plus in social media, but you're a minus in bootstrapping and an A plus in writing, you should spend all your time bootstrapping and writing, surround yourself with people who can handle the social media for you. So very good plan. Yeah, man. Check, check that book out. Let me know. Um, you can get it on audible. It's like four to five hours or something like that. And let me know how it works out for you. Great. I definitely will. Awesome. Well, what's the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to really help you accomplish your dreams and goals? 
Yeah. So it's a really, honestly, a very simple answer. And it, my goal right now is getting my book out there, having people read it and talk about it. So the easiest things that anybody listening could do would be to go buy the book, read it, leave a review if you like it, or at the very least, just open up a discussion with other people that you know about it and get them interested and just, just talk about it and create more word of mouth. I love it. I love it. Awesome, man. Let's jump into our thriving three. And the first question is, yeah. what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Yes. So my favorite book is actually Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy. But I would rather talk about something I read recently, which is the African Trilogy by Chinua Achebe. And I read that after publishing my book. And I am kicking myself because I wish I had read it before. Because the themes that it explores about colonialism and its effects of deteriorating a community over generations, each book explores a different generation in Nigeria. Uh, it's it's fascinating. I absolutely love that series of books. Um, I definitely would have implemented some insights I got from that in my own writing. So I, I yeah, highly recommend that one. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And what's one way you like to take care of yourself? I, yes. So the recreational side of what I enjoy doing, I love going out to the beach, going in the water and just being around my friends without the worry of getting other things done, allowing myself to relax and seeing it as kind of like you're saying, an investment in myself, my own mental health. And especially after you know, graduating early and publishing my books, a very, very intense period in my life. The past couple months, I've allowed myself more relaxation than I normally would because I kind of want to recover, honestly, from that. So that's been very key lately. Yeah, man, I feel that. I feel that it's important to rest. And, you know, you think when you're kind of in that grind mode, you're like, I need to grind, 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 produce, produce, produce. But what a lot of people don't realize, and honestly, what I have to keep reminding myself, because I'm trying to do a lot of things right now, and I have a W-2, is that rest time is essential to being a high producer. So if you don't rest, your production is going to decrease over time. And then in your instance, your book would suck. In my instance, my podcast would start to really suck and everything would kind of just go by the wayside. So yeah, that rest time is important for sure. Well, awesome. What is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to really get to the point where you are sustainably writing more books and your days are shaped around that. Yeah, there's actually, weirdly enough, there are two things I could do and they're sort of opposite to each other. Okay. And one is to be very open and, and very active in job seeking in you know the film industry and that sort of stuff uh, in, in cities like LA and even New York, which I live in San Diego. So I don't have the exact same access to tap into that. So that's one thing I can definitely do and getting my foot in the door there will be really helpful for that goal. On the other hand, my lifestyle right now is a lot more conducive to meaningful writing because I'm in an area that I love. It's near the water. I can go you know, go surfing and enjoy these different things in my life and tap into the, the aspect that helps me write. That helps me write, right? Like, like you're saying with rest. So those are two things that will both be pretty fruitful but in a way, I sort of have to pick one route or the other. So I'm at this point where I'm kind of thinking, okay, what are the pros and cons of really leaning into one or the other? Gotcha. Gotcha. And just to be clear, it's like job seeking. And the other one is kind of staying where you are and honing in on writing. Absolutely. Yeah. And not that I can't write, 
if I was in LA working a, a film job, especially not like you, you're, I'm still going to have that free time afterwards to write. It's just a different environment. And the city life has a way of, you know, just changing the dynamic. And I'm a little bit, a little bit hesitant to jump too headfirst into that for fear that I won't have the same amount of time and headspace to yeah. write the one now. Yeah, I feel that. And do you have to be in that kind of LA, New York space to really thrive in filmmaking? The more I look into it, the more I found, yeah, you think, I think at least that you really have to, or a couple key pockets. I know Atlanta's really growing. I've heard, I think for Vancouver is growing. Um, but honestly, it's, it's very, very tough to find bigger gigs in a city like San Diego, even that's not that far from LA. There just isn't the infrastructure or the same focus on that industry here. So it's sort of like following the industry to where, where its heart is is going to end up probably happening at some point in my life. Mm. Yeah, no, I feel that. And I mean, community is huge. And so you need to be in a community that is really focused on what you're doing. And if there's a hot spot for it, it's the best place to be for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel that. Well, awesome, man. Um, I'll be keeping my ears peeled for anybody who knows. I actually have a cousin that's an actress. So, Very yeah. Cool. yeah, I don't, she might be in LA. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll reach out to her and that's the third connection I will make to you. So remind me to do that nice. as well. Thank you. I yeah. do appreciate that. No, of course, man. Of course. Well, I got one last question for you. Yes. It's going to require a bit of pretext. So you know how there are people on the planet who have a fixed mindset. They're not really willing to accept help, not really willing to accept change. Sometimes they live their whole life like that and they end up dying like that. Other times they'll switch to more of a growth mindset, willing to accept help and willing to accept change. In your opinion, what is the catalyst that causes that change? Very good question. Um, I can probably best speak from personal experience. And even in writing my book, I started out being hooked on the adventure aspect of the story. I was just writing because I thought it was cool. And this, you know, I was, I was a preteen. So that was kind of what hooked me. And as I kept writing and growing as a human being, I was really discovering the darker themes behind it and the, the stories that needed to be shared about this period that a lot of people kind of pay lip service to, but don't explore. So for me, I wasn't going in with Hmm. I would say going into something with really, really tightly held goals and ex more, more so expectations of the result, I think is kind of almost like a blockage to really allowing yourself to, to grow with a project or like people growing in life. And I think there's probably a better word for it because obviously expectation results, that's all part of normal goal making. But I think there's a difference in terms of of seeing it, forcing yourself almost to see the world a certain way and holding to that and blinding out anything that doesn't fit. And it's almost like you're, you have a, an idea of the world and everything that's happening in your life, you're trying to fit it under that rather than allowing yourself to observe and learn and continually reform and shape what your idea of the world is based on that. Yeah, man, I feel that. So really approaching life with that kind of closed-minded approach is what keeps people stuck and from growing. Yeah. Because they're trying to 
fit everything into a box. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I maybe don't have the perfect answer on that one, but there, there definitely is a difference. And I, I know what you're getting at for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what is the, so you have somebody who goes in with that kind of closed mind towards something and you went into your project with more of your closed mind. And then you kind of hit this point where you were like, wow, there's a truth here that isn't really being touched on like it should be. So right. how does, so that, that was the catalyst for you. What is the, like, what is that for other people in more general terms? You get the question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I see you're getting that. Yeah. Um, hmm. In general terms, maybe, maybe another way is, is um, taking what life throws at you and not always seeing it as an obstacle to the things that it's an obstacle to like, you know, COVID for a lot of people just now happening in their lives. And it's, undoubtedly for almost everyone on earth ruined plans changed life paths caused a lot of hardship a lot of troubles and if you're continually seeing life under that same sort of frame or structure that you did before covid then that covid's always going to be an obstacle to that of course it is but now that it's happened and it's unavoidable it happened it's uncontrollable right on your end changing the structure of your life where that can be an opportunity in some ways, or that can be a door that leads to somewhere else, even if it isn't always positive, allowing the way you see the world to change so that that's not such a source of that same discomfort and that same obstacle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And just one more kind of curiosity question. What was the thing about figuring out the true nature of colonization that really made you change your approach to the book? Like, what about that truth kind of got you? Yeah, I, you know, I think as I was trying to figure out the character arcs more, that's when I just started to discover this because when I was just thinking about the plot, I was hooked by the action. And then as I started thinking about the characters, I was starting to empathize with, oh, wait, there's a lot of other people in this story and a lot of things that are going on that I'm not really tapping into. And so a lot more exploration came from that desire to tell the character story and realizing, wow, maybe these, maybe these guys who I'm writing the book about, they're not, they're not good. They're bad news. Or they have a lot of, lot of misunderstandings and a lot of sort of evil leanings. And that was kind of interesting to tap into and yeah. went to, led to that theme, led to discovering that theme for myself, at least. I love that. Well, awesome. Vincent, is there anything else that you want to chat about before we sign off? Um, I'm curious about your, your nonprofit idea that's behind you. Yeah, man. Unless, unless it's to be revealed. If you're saving it for a later date, then. No, I actually, so in college here, I have to give you a little backstory. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I'm just an entrepreneurial guy. Like since freshman year, I've been really trying to figure out how to A, be financially free, and then B, do my nonprofit idea, which is Left With Love Connected by Choice. And the idea is to end poverty around the world, which we're actually closer to than uh, extreme poverty. We're closer to ending extreme poverty around the world than I thought. And the whole thing behind it is, first I'll go through the title, Left With Love. When I was 18, the family dynamic that I grew up in was pretty 
not hostile or volatile, but like it wasn't the most loving environment. And so like, I didn't say I love you to my parents until I was 18 leaving for college. And so I felt alone a lot growing up and felt alone through college and still feel alone sometimes now. Like, I think that's just a pretty common human experience. And um, the idea was sometimes I feel like I'm just left here, like just left alone on the planet. But when I realize that I'm left with love, it changes everything because love is like the thing that makes the world go round. And the second step of that is you feel like you, you realize you're left here and, but you have love. Well, what do you go and do next? You get connected to people and it's connected by choice. Cause once you realize how loved you are and how loved everybody around you is, you can now make the choice to go be connected to them through all the hard stuff, through the adversity. And that's what really grows those intimate connections, like going through that adversity together. And so the idea is to end poverty around the world, but on a relational basis. So yeah. the big vision is to get 1 billion people working in a very unified, focused, and consistent manner. Because I'm like, if 1 billion people around the world every day for 30 minutes think about how to end poverty right next to them and around them, I don't think it's lasting very long. Because we just we have the resources. If we have the kindness to back up those resources, I think we can get something going. Obviously, that's a really big goal. Um, and it's why I want to do it for the rest of my life. I love that. That's awesome. That, that is absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, uh, it's epic. And it's extreme poverty and relative poverty. So the idea is to kind of get everybody to the point where it's to end unnecessary suffering. So I don't think anybody mm -hmm. should have to want for water, want for food, want for shelter, want for clothing. I think you should have all four of those things because then there's a lot of necessary suffering that needs to happen because humans aren't perfect. We have yeah. emotions, but I'm like, if we can kind of level out society where the bottom of society is functioning as middle-class America is right now, I think we're in a good spot because then people can like be more entrepreneurial, go pursue their dreams and goals and kind of address those emotional concerns that they have. So absolutely. Yeah, man, that's, that's a dream. That's why I'm fast tracking to financial freedom so I can spend the rest of my life like doing this and really going all in on it. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is why I really, uh, I'm like by March, you know, I'm looking to monetize this podcast and if it doesn't happen by March, then April, if not April, then May, like I'm, I'm like right. going after it. So definitely. Yeah. It's almost new year's at least at the time of recording this. So resolutions. Yes. Resolutions. There we go. And it's funny, in my head, I don't see myself at my job in January. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, I can, I can replace $2,300 worth of income by January. That's not that much money. <laughs> but, uh, it's also a daily show, so you never know. Hey. But yeah, that's me. That's, that's the nonprofit. Great. Yeah, I'm going to keep tabs and keep looking at it. And hopefully by March, I'll be seeing things grow too alongside yeah. you very cool yeah no absolutely well awesome vincent thank you so much for coming on the show man absolutely thank you for having me timmy that was a really good time of course of course it was great and if you guys are listening to this and you loved what vincent had to say you're fascinated by the fact that he started writing a book at 12 and finished college by 20 go ahead and uh reach out to him, share his book, share his dream and vision and get him in the place where he could be making those films and having creative control over that, writing how he wants to write and just 
leaving his thumbprint on the world like we know he can. And as we always ask, send this podcast to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Shoot us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.